business and bourbon. I hate to tell people what to do, but if you're going to listen and you're listening now, listen hard. No, you need to talk about that. I'm going to throw this little nugget out there. This is huge. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes, and that means $1 million. <laughs> Get a little dirty here with everybody. I will go grab a mop and wash the floor right now. I'll go clean the bathroom. I'll scrub the toilet. I think we all jump in where we are needed. Doing things that other people aren't willing to do. This is just like an onion, everyone. We're peeling it away. Wait, wait. It doesn't mean owning a business. Entrepreneurship is about owning your respective position in the business. Mm -hmm. So not everybody's gonna have that skill set, but if they have wide eyes and they're open-minded about it, you can surround yourself with people that want to become like-minded. Like -minded. Like -minded. Like -minded. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon. I'm Ronnell Richards, the creator and your host. You know, in entrepreneurship, there's this term called serial entrepreneur. And I think it's thrown around a lot. I really feel like people don't have a real understanding on what that term means. I think that anyone that has been involved in multiple businesses just gets lumped in as being a serial entrepreneur. Multiple failed businesses, just being a serial entrepreneur. I wanted to bring on someone to our show who I really feel is the epitome of what a serial entrepreneur really is. And what a serial entrepreneur is to me is someone that is innovative, someone that's always coming up with amazing ideas for business and creating successful businesses, exiting those businesses, moving on to other businesses that just has a passion for business, a passion that is so strong that they're constantly thinking of new ideas and executing on those ideas. To me, that's what a serial entrepreneur is. So I wanted to bring in Lee Heisman to the Business and Bourbon Bar. Lee, he has started many businesses, had many successful businesses. I swear he's got 32 businesses right now. Maybe not 32, but he's got quite a few that he's involved in on a daily basis. So I want him to come in and share what he does, how he's been able to do that. What's his thought process? I want to get a little bit of insight into what makes this guy tick. So with that said, I want you to go ahead and grab your glass, grab your cup, grab your mug, grab whatever it is that you like to drink out of, pour your favorite beverage in there. Lately, for me, it's been a little bit more red wine on a little bit of a health kick. <laughs> whatever works for you, pour it in there. Have a seat next to us at the bar and enjoy a little business and bourbon. All right, you are back with Ronnell Richards and business and bourbon. Once again, in the heart of Atlanta, King and Duke restaurant, you hear that great ambient sound. I want you guys to feel like you're sitting right here with us having this great conversation as we're just dropping gems, we're dropping wisdom on you. So today I have someone that we're sitting down with. I'm just really excited to talk to this guy because he is one of my business idols, dare I say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Business. How many idol. glasses of wine have you had already? First of all, I am still on my first one. And uh, <laughs> how many glasses have I had? No, without any further ado, I want to introduce Lee Heisman. And I say you're one of my business idols because Dude, you're doing the damn thing. You are the definition of what I would, what people call serial entrepreneur. People call me that all the time. I don't know that I like it, but whatever. But you are that. No, it's better than serial killer. I think now. it is. Yes. I think it is. So, Lee, welcome. Thank you so much. This is so cool. I've never, I haven't been on this side of the mic in a long time. 
And this environment is wonderful down here at King and Duke. So uh, I'm very, very thankful to be here, man. So the first question I have for you, before we get into what you've done and all that boring stuff. Nobody wants to know. What are you drinking? So I am drinking whatever you recommend, but I think (laughs) it is called the placebo. So we don't know, is it going to have an effect or do I think it's going to have an effect? Ooh, I like that. Can I toast you? Please. Yes, my friend. All right, before we sip, I am drinking, guys, don't be mad at me. I know I'm business and bourbon, but I'm drinking wine today. Pinot Noir. Why? And not Cabernet. That's that's something that's... <laughs> Excellent. If, if, if you guys have seen Sideways, it's an old movie, I know, and probably a lot of people haven't, but it's a joke from Sideways. No fucking Merlot. No Merlot. Okay. Thomas not- Hayden Church, Paul Giamonti. What? Spectacular. He knows. <laughs> that's why I love this guy. Yes. Delicious. So, so is it? It's good, good call. Good call from the young lady that brought that of here. Of course. Excellent. Until we've got Beth over there watching. Beth us Buckland today, coming all the way from North Carolina. What's up? Beth? One of our producers at the Shrimp Tank where you came on the show. Thank you, Renee. Yeah. Well, you know what? I had a good time. You guys are pretty awesome. That's all. We just try to keep up with Ted. That's all. Yeah. Ted Jenkins. Ted Jenkins, superstar Killing Ted. Killing the game. Ted making it rain on the Weather Channel every week on CNN. He's a uh, does a lot there at Oxygen Financial. So let's get into it real quick. Let's tell the audience. Who is Lee, this guy, the serial entrepreneur, the guy that's killing it out there? Lee, tell the audience a little bit about Okay, hey, uh, hey guys, this is Lee Heisman. It's been a long time since I've answered questions about myself, Rennell, so I'll do my best. Lee Heisman, goodness, soon to be three weeks from now, 48 years old, Rennell. There it is. I'll be turning 48 in three weeks. So, And he can kick most of you guys' ass out there if well, you saw this guy. I'm so first you. and foremost, Lee's an old man. Let's start there. <laughs> a lot of experience. Uh Rennell, real quick, uh, kind of who I am, grew up, uh, first 24 years of my life, Philadelphia. I could talk like this. You know what I'm talking about. Yo, <laughs> yo, Philly, yo, Adrian. Uh, the last 24 years, I've become more sophisticated here in Atlanta, so I speak a what little What are you better. trying to say? You're trying to say Philly's not sophisticated? I would say, yeah, I think that that's exactly right. <laughs> Philly ain't sophisticated. Do you not see Jason Kelsey's speech in the Mummer's Day Parade? When he was yelling and screaming after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I saw that. Not so, very impressive. Well, sophisticated or not, Rennell? Uh, not so So, and, and did you see the city just react to it in all loving cheer? Yeah, I saw it. So that's my Philly. Okay, I, if I'm being honest, are you an Eagles fan? That's I'm Philly all the way, okay. every city. If I'm being honest, you guys are the worst fans in the whole Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We're throwing snowballs at Santa. We're yes. doing everything. So you ask, is Philly that sophisticated? All I'm going to say is go look at the Jason Kelsey Mummer's Day Parade Super Bowl Championship. Uh, speech that he made, and I will tell you, that defines who I grew up and how I grew up. But you guys, you do love your heroes, though. You guys are real salt-of-the-earth people. 100%. So the reason I bring that up, Renal, you asked who Lee Heisman is, I do stand behind my Philly heritage because there are three main important points from where I grew up. Genuine, authentic, and real. So you may not like what I say all the time, but you're going to know what you get every time you're with me. And that's kind of taken me pretty far in business and in my life. You know, I started my career as a physical therapist, Rennell. It was the coolest, best job I ever had. Why I was able that? to help people. Yeah. It was the greatest job in the world for me because I was able to help people, rehab them. I mean, I worked with athletes, so that was the illustrious part, but I also worked with traumatic brain injury, geriatrics, geriatrics like you and I, over 40, Come of course. Come on, man. But working with everywhere across the board from just outpatient people to people I'm that needed all the 22, by the way. Yeah, you're looking good. That's Thank exactly you. right. Uh, plus 20. that was my favorite career of them all simply because i help people it was my worst career business-wise because i didn't like how people were the product Mm -hmm. i didn't like in the healthcare system how you had to hit a certain number of people and the quality of care would just go downhill a little bit because you're constantly working with insurance companies so my heart was in the right place but i didn't like where it went so i ended up saying you know i need to and this is years ago before 
I think even before the word entrepreneur came on the marketplace, right? Before people use it and use it and abuse it, unfortunately, sometimes in today's world. I started my first business back then when I was 24 and moved to Georgia and realized it didn't matter to me if I had a broom company, a mop company, but at that time it was a printing company. Mm -hmm. And we grew it here over the course of a decade from two people in an apartment to 120 people and close to $20 million in revenue. Wow. Still in business today in Marietta. Very proud of that organization and what we've done. And I will tell you the coolest part. This is Lee. As you ask who I am, that staff that I had back then, man, it was so cool because it was such a juxtaposition of different classes of people. I had white collar, blue collar. I had all different people across the board. White collar salespeople, blue collar managers and warehouse people. And when you have to piece all that together and make a stew, a successful tasting stew out of it, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't make a good omelet with rotten eggs. No, you So cannot. I had to take all these little handcrafted eggs from all the chickens and try to put them together, make sure the sniff test, make sure these are good people and try to Again, mix different people of different cultures and different socioeconomic backgrounds to have a successful company. I think that's awesome. And that's a tremendous business lesson for folks out there. I think that a lot of times, whether you're in leadership or you're an entrepreneur, we tend to to bring people around us that are like us, right? We bring people in that are like you. And what you learned through your problem, I've learned through my career is that strength is in diversity, man. We want to bring people in with different perspectives. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to do business, right? We're not just trying to do business with people that look and smell like us, right? We want to do business with everyone. So unless you have a greater perspective and you're able to see things from other people's point of view, you're going to be very limited. In Dude, your I, I stink. I don't want to do any business with someone that smells like me. I want good smelling people. <laughs> well, my daughters would probably tell me that. But you talk about that and you're exactly right. You want to find like-minded individuals, the diversity that you said. And that's how you and I met. A post came up on LinkedIn and I was blown away with your videos and your content. And as I mentioned Thank earlier, you. it's true, man. I mentioned earlier, you know, the sniff test is still going on because you seem... you Don't you, say that live one. <laughs> <laughs> That's for off air. There's no fair. sniffing going on over fair, here. Fair, buddy. fair, fair. Well, the the theoretical test is still going on because I have not found a chink in your armor, Ranella. It's been an absolute treat. And every time that we spend time together, and I'm very fortunate to have met you. Well, that's because you have not listened to our season one ending podcast, which was uh, Married to the Monster. My wife, she put out all the chinks. So just go back and listen to that, and you're going to hear all. You're going to hear all those great things that my wife has to say. But she loves me. Best give me a crazy look. We've been married for 21 long years. That's amazing. And since so you're 22 years old. Right. So you got married at one year old. Is that what you're something saying? Like right. Just making sure. That makes complete sense. So, you know, Renal, I was fortunate in that first career to go through M&A. Some of those may not understand. M&A is mergers and acquisitions. And I, I spent two and a half to three years because when you try to sell a business, man, it, it is not like you're buying a burrito with pinto beans and black beans. Absolutely not. You have to go through many suitors and many people that are interested in seeing what your valuation is and seeing if there's a synergy. And it is a long, long process. And I was fortunate enough to sell my interest in the organization and realize, you know, I worked really, really hard. Let's see if I could work really, really smart. There it is. Kind of like Bosley Institute for Men. You know, I'm not just the CEO. I'm also a client. So when I had my printing company. Your hair looks pretty thick, too. Thanks, it's, brother. Yes, yeah, there. So it's getting there. I will tell you, I did not like outsourcing my technology services. So I chose something that I was passionate about. I chose something where I saw a need. I was unhappy. And I figured, well, if I can solve this for myself, why can't I do it for others? So I had a big passion and an interest in something that I had personal experience with. And that's where I think a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, and 
you and I talked about this before. Being an entrepreneur doesn't exactly mean you have to own a business. Being an entrepreneur, and that's what we teach and, you know, over at KSU, where I've been fortunate to be a part of their board for the Entrepreneurship Center, now, for, is, for it's our, about the entrepreneur mindset. audience that is global. Tell us about that. KSU, what is that? Sure. Well, you know, what's real intriguing about KSU, I've been fortunate in the beginning, KSU was the first and at one point the only school in the state of Georgia with a degree, a four-year degree in entrepreneurship. Georgia State has now come onto the scene and they will be graduating their first class soon enough. But, you know, as you know, Ronell, you came on our show, The Shrimp Tank, and we're in 12 cities currently. And each of those cities are connected with different universities. FAU, Florida Atlantic University, which has a degree in entrepreneurship. Sam Houston State, which has a degree in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And I know recently we we're talking about Babson, which is the number one up in the Boston area. So a lot of our podcasts and a lot of our partners out there connect with the universities because we're listening and, and, and being able to work intimately with these future minds of entrepreneurship. But again, it doesn't mean owning a business. Entrepreneurship is about owning your respective position in the business. Mm -hmm. You know, I almost never consider myself an owner of my businesses. Although Doesn't that feel weird to say sometimes like owner? Like yeah, I, I, I've I never don't. been comfortable I, with that. So my business cards and all of our SaaS business cards have no titles. On mm -hmm. any of my businesses, we have zero titles because I will go grab a mop and wash the floor right now. I'll go clean the bathroom. I'll scrub the toilet. I think we all jump in where we are needed. But I also think you have your respective lane to stay in. So I know my role at my business, but I don't consider myself an owner. And all of the managers and all the people at my organization, they have equally as much a say in their respective department as I do. The only difference I'll tell my staff is that I'm really old, so I have a lot of experience and I've failed a lot. So, so I'm going to call you out on that, buddy, because we've got Beth here, who's your controller, right? Yeah, Beth's and been there around for a while. Have you seen this guy clean a toilet? I'm just saying, he said he cleans. <laughs> have you? <laughs> Beth says that she has not seen legally to toy fair but you're willing to i'm going to send some video in right after this to you to post <laughs> in there to be cutting okay unnecessary fair. but i am willing to i'm willing to do whatever it takes that's what it's about uh, so as i was saying before you know it's having that experience having that mindset and that's what i try to promote throughout my organizations and really anybody i work with is just owning whatever they're doing whether they're a manager of a position or at a company or they're the owner or they're even just a sales rep or an employee. Own that relationship. Own those responsibilities. Own what you do from soup to nuts. Well, you know, I agree with that 110% Lee. And that's something that I teach people all the time. You know, if you really want to reach your potential, I don't care what it is that you do. What, whatever your job is, wherever you're working, you really need to take an entrepreneurial mindset. Right. You take that mindset. It's about it's about ownership. It's about accountability. You'll reach heights that you would have never reached before. One of the things that frustrates me the most when I'm talking to someone that's like a corporate employee, they'll say something like, well, you know, corporate didn't give me this or corporate didn't give me that. And when you take that entrepreneurial mindset, you make it happen. You don't need corporate to give you some. You realize that, hey, this is how I feed my family. This is what we do to be, you know, to be successful. If you want to be a high achiever, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And that means getting outside the box. That means finding your own resources, doing things that other people aren't going to be willing to do. You know, and scalability, Renell, you're exactly right. So that's about you. Now, if you're growing a department at your respective company or you're growing a company, you then have to take those people that might not have that skill set and you need to take them on the journey with you right now. So not everybody's going to have that skill set, but if they have wide eyes and they're open-minded about it, you can surround yourself with people that want to become like-minded. And Absolutely. that's what I've evolved. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm so fortunate to have met you and a few other CEOs and, and entrepreneurs in the community and throughout the country that I always admire and I look up to. People that are, I joke all the time with my wife and say, man, I, 
I wish you met the people I met because I meet so many people that are so much smarter than me, so much more driven, and it's inspiring to me. But then I'll take that energy and then I'll go to the surrounding employees at my organization and the surrounding people that want to be a part of my organization, and I take them on the journey with me. And if they're open, then I can create, I hate to say little mini leads, $1 million. <laughs> but, uh, and that was my pinky to my uh, cheek, yeah, of course. Just, that's such bad radio. You're a pro, dude. I know. So it gets in my belly. <laughs> Sorry. But you want to take them on the journey as well. And if you find someone open to that, I'll put all the energy, effort, and time. I'm all about energy, effort. Execution and completion of the task is ultimately where we want to go. But I am all about, if you're willing to put the time and the energy and the effort in, that there's no reason that we're not going to get to the finish line. doesn't matter when we get there. I'd rather take, as we know, I'd rather take the attitude and the mentality versus the talent and skill. I can teach skill. I cannot teach attitude and mentality. So that's kind of what I look for when I surround myself, bring people into the company is the right mindset, attitude, and openness to, to do where we want to go and get where we want to go. Fantastic. Dude, we got to clink it up because that was on we point. Put it next to the mic. Yeah. Ah, there yeah, you go. Hope you guys go. got that. All right. So share with the audience uh, what's a day for you. And what I mean by that is what are you involved in right now? What are You've got a couple of businesses. Oh, gosh. How much on. time do we have? So I will try to be as succinct as possible. Please. So first and foremost, with all due respect, I hate to tell people what to do. But if you're going to listen and you're listening now, listen hard. First part of the day is I take care of myself. I'm going to use it the airplane theory right now. The airplane theory. Next time you get on a plane, grab the little booklet in front of you, and you're going to see that if the plane is having an issue and the little air mask drop down, you do not put the air mask on your child first. Because in the process of trying to put that air mask on your child, you could pass out and both of you are dead. You put it on yourself. Once you take care of yourself, now you can take care of your entire family. And that's what a lot of people forget about. Right now, I have been told or I've been, I've been proclaimed to be very considerate, and I pride myself on being considerate. I think that's taken me very far, and I've actually taught that at the Entrepreneurship Center. However, before I can be considerate and give back, I have to take care of myself. So first part of my day is my nutrition, my diet, my exercise. If I don't get my endorphins flowing, if I don't get my brain moving the right way, and you and I have talked about this, I tend to do more of a keto-ish nutrition plan. I work intimately with Dave Asprey. I know Dave very well, the owner and founder of Bulletproof uh, Coffee, which is a brain octane MCT oil. So I got to fuel my engine before I take off in my car right now. So you say, what's a day? I've got to make sure I get taken care of first thing in the morning. Once I get my eight hours plus of sleep, the evening before, seven to eight, if I'm lucky, nine to 10, if no one wakes me up, then I, <laughs> and best laughing over there, and it's true. Again, it doesn't matter if, even if I sleep in. People say I get up at four in the morning, that's great. Your body and you have to accommodate. I tend to be a late worker in the evening. I tend to want to sleep until seven or eight plus in the morning. But then once I'm on, game on, high octane, high performance. Take care of my nutrition first thing in the morning. Take care of my exercise first thing in the morning. Take care of something else as I've been intermittent fasting. And that increases your brain acuity. So let's talk about us. We take care of us. Mm -hmm. Then rock and roll with my team. Then we talk about my technology firm as I have a managed services IT firm where we are the lifeblood of our clients. We keep their network running. We, as we said, we are the offensive line in football. You don't know any of our names until the quarterback gets sacked. <laughs> but once he gets sacked, you want to know, you know what the hell just happened, right? Mm -hmm. Also, very fortunate to have that other podcast, Rennell, in which I get to meet and interview many successful CEOs and entrepreneurs around the country and learn from their skill set and what they've done. Have another business, as we talked about. you got to coordinate the mushroom belt and the mushroom jacket. Okay, we jacket. need to talk about that. Go ahead. 
No, you need to talk about that. So my business partner and I were getting into real estate because owner-occupied real estate is very, very appealing to a bank. So if you have a business and you have a slightly successful, if not very successful business, I would recommend strongly that you look for a piece of property to put that business. Because let me just tell you this, Renell, banks are not in the industry of taking risks. So it's very easy to get a million dollars from a bank if you have a million dollars of collateral. So a bank is the wrong place to go to borrow money. They will give you money if you have the money. However, they will also loan you for property if you have a successful business that can pay the rent. That's a very low risk for a bank. So if you have a successful business and you're leasing right now or renting, strongly consider a piece of property because any bank will absolutely step up to let you rent from yourself. But to stay above board, we opened up a separate real estate company, which has now turned into an executive suite building that we bought Renell and another piece of land from company, which we'll go into later. This is just like an onion, everyone. We're peeling it away more and more. But I will tell you, my business partner and I said, let's keep everything above board. Let's not pay ourselves. Let's pay our real estate company. So we both said, well, what kind of rings true? And we've been always joking. There was an Eddie Murphy movie years ago. And, you know, it's funny. My younger friends and my children always wonder how I can reference, you know, uh, oh, you're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe from uh, Eddie Murphy. And they're like, I don't even know how you remember those lines. And I'm like, okay, you have to remember. Those back are in, iconic lines. For yeah, they're, they're iconic lines first off. But, Ronell, it's really important. When I can reference nearly every line, I'm not even going to use the other line when he was in the bar, which is my favorite scene from uh, 48 Hours, mm -hmm. you know. But I will tell you right now, the only reason why I remember these lines, you just have to remember back in 1980, there were only six movies that were released that year. So you have to consider <laughs> six, that mattered. six movies at the most that anybody saw. So all I had was six movies to memorize the lines. There's YouTube, Netflix. I mean, you can't even keep up with the social media and the entertainment today. So it's not as though that they resonate loud in my head because there were only six of them for me to try. Like so if we're at a restaurant now and the menu had three items, I'm going to know those three items very, very well. <laughs> so back in the day, Eddie Murphy was a very popular comedian, one of my favorites from Delirious and Raw and mm -hmm. all the stand-up. And Eddie did a movie called Boomerang with, uh, I think, uh, David Allen Greer. Mm -hmm. There's a and, lot, there's uh, an a lot of, yeah, yeah Holly Berry was in it. And there was a moment where the father came in and started talking about his mushroom belt and a mushroom jacket and a mushroom shirt. And he was talking about, you've got to coordinate. That's I can't a, do the impersonation. great actor, John Weatherspoon. There you go. I did those, not know John's name, but that, he's spectacular. Know, uh, Friday. He plays the dad in Friday. He plays that character in lots of Ma He just played himself. Yes. That's what's so it, funny. It appears that way. It's well, kind of like. The funny thing about him is he was actually a fashion model. A lot of people don't know that. Wow. Yeah. In the 60s, I've seen some of his old. I don't know. He did like catalog stuff. And I was like, wow, that guy was really handsome. And now he's the coordinate goofy dad. Spectacular. Dude. And he still was handsome in that image. I will tell you, though, there's a scene where he talks about coordinating. You've got to coordinate that in a mushroom belt, mushroom jacket. It's a really funny scene. I sent you the, the link the other day. So we said, well, let's let's call it coordinate property management. Why not? Let's call the, the name of that business coordinate. So if you're not having fun with what you're doing, you're trying to be serious why do it anymore? So let's have fun with everything so, that we so do. So more than it just being a movie, like what's the inspiration in using that name? Like, so what does I think that mean my, to you? my current business partner and I would always joke whenever someone over the past 15 years of us being in meetings together, if someone would say coordinate throughout the past 15 years, if you just said it randomly, we'd say, you mean like the mushroom jacket and the mushroom belt? So we always knew that in our head. Anytime that word came out, we thought of the mushroom jacket and the mushroom belt. So we're just thinking, we just thought of a word that happened to just means something to us. It, right now, I'm weird. Any business I have, I don't like some the name of my tech business is Savant, right? My ex-wife was like, oh, that's great. You're the idiot Savant. Makes complete sense. That, that fits you perfectly. And I'd say, go drop some toothpicks on the ground and let's see what I can do. So Savant means 
a respective expert in their field. But I like the word and I like questions. So I'm not a marketing expert in any way, shape, or form, but I like things that cause questions. So whenever I say savant, someone's like, oh, what's that? Because it creates a question. I didn't want to name the tech geeks, the techie yeah. guys. And the same for coordinate real estate. So, oh, what's coordinate? Why is it coordinate? What's coordinated? Oh, it's the mushroom belt and the mushroom jacket, but it has no other relevance anywhere else. So I like more obscure terms because then it creates a question and creates a conversation. You know, Lee, one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on the podcast is you are someone that's involved in a lot, right? And and I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there. There are a lot of folks that look up to someone like you, right? And someone that's involved in a lot of different businesses. They're going in a lot of different directions. And from the outside looking in, it looks somewhat easy or you make it look easy. Let's talk about that. We talked a little bit about your day, right? How you start your day, which I don't want that to be lost on anyone because that's super important, right? So let's leave a little wisdom out there for our audience in terms of how do you manage all that? Because you're You've got a wife, you've got kids and all that as well. Oh, yeah, they exist, don't they? I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah, if they were sitting here, there'd be an uprising right now. Pitchforks and fire right now. Why is that? Just because of the amount of juggle that I do. Mm. So what I strongly recommend, and it's a great question. I actually emailed one of my staff members at 1 o'clock in the morning yesterday because I was going through emails. And this morning, he emails emails me and says, do do you even sleep? I'm like, no, you know that, Ben. I just plug in. Neo from The Matrix. I just plug into the back. Last night happened to be a weird evening, Rennell. I was up till 2.30, which is very odd. So I'm only working on six hours of sleep today instead of my normal eight. So I knew I was going to be a little lacking, but that's why I got a little bit of coffee before I showed up here today. Couldn't tell. No, yes, clearly. But not too much coffee. It doesn't happen often. So here's what I'll recommend, and it's really, really important. People have a real tough time, and we talk about work-life balance. You've heard that, right? Work-life balance. And as an owner, entrepreneur, or even entrepreneurial mindset, because I'm going to refer to people that have the entrepreneurial mindset. Again, they could be a manager of a company. I mean, Beth runs two things. She runs the podcast and she also runs our controlling department of Savant. So she's really an entrepreneur. Her mind just guilt by association. She's been around me enough. She owns her positions in her respective departments. But I will tell you, people talk about work-life balance, and I've heard a better term, work-life juggle. Because there is real no balance. One day it's going to be higher. One day it's going to be lower. There is no 50-50 on a daily basis. At the same time, and again, I'm going to tip my cards. And my, I think my kids and wife aren't listening because they have to listen to me all the time. There's no way they take their free time to listen to me, of course. I force <laughs> my voice not. on them. No, absolutely not. Um, I will tell you, I had so many entrepreneurs and friends that have difficulties with their home life and their family. We talk about it all the time. And it's very common. And if you're out there and you say, no, nah, my life's perfect and I work my tail off and my family's happy about it. And you probably aren't listening to your family because they're not happy about it. So no disrespect. uh, Start listening to the family. But I know this sounds cold, but it's extremely effective. Why do we not look at our families like our top paying clients? Because I'll guarantee you, my top three paying clients called me, not right now in the middle of the podcast, but pretty much any time during the day, I'm going to take that call immediately and address it and treat them like a million bucks. And I would even treat our lowest paying clients as good as I can. But there's a little more sense of urgency when I have larger clients calling me in an emergency situation. So why can't I look at my children and my wife as my top paying clients? So when I come home or when I see them, I'm completely focused on them just like I would be with a client. So try to extrapolate that. We get so caught up in our entrepreneur and our business, they're the ones paying the biggest dividends to me. And they're the ones also that could cost me the most. So how did you get there? Because... Listen, Lee, this is business and bourbon. This is real talk. It didn't start out that way. 
right? Well, so I'm also on my second marriage right now. Okay, thank you for sharing, and that's important to know. Absolutely, I, I'm very fortunate. I get along very well with my ex-wife, and as far as I know, she gets along with me very, very well, but I've been fortunate to have custody of my older children, so I've been able to juggle them by myself for years before I met my current wife and life partner and magic woman named Emily Heisman, and, and we have a wonderful six-year-old as well. So I have three daughters, two teens, two teen daughters, fifteen, soon to be 15 and 17, and a six-year-old. So I will tell you, I was a workaholic right now, and here's how it got to me to answer your question. I remember working nonstop at my old business, and when my children were younger, I really, really lost a lot of connection with my kids because I did work 12, 14 hours a day. I didn't carve that time out with them. And what was intriguing right now, I got a second chance with another little girl, my current six-year-old, and it's neat because I will take the time to smell the roses because I realized the time that I missed when I was growing my other business, I was very, very focused on that end goal. So I do take time now. I guess it's something I just made up. I don't have an exact way that I got there other than failure. Failing in other aspects of my life. I hate to say failing in my first marriage, but the end result is the end result. A divorce is a divorce. And at the same time, my children at those young ages, when I had them myself alone, I was just juggling to make sure teeth were brushed and they were fed and the time and the quality spent with them was probably secondary to me trying to raise them and keep them alive, right? As I was trying to grow businesses and I had to take care of them by myself. So through all of those struggles and where things have settled down a little more, I realized, you know, I need to step back. And again, I use that example, treat them like a client. Sometimes that's the easiest and simplest way to realize, yeah, you know, why am I treating some strangers of my clients better than the way that I'm treating my own family? That doesn't seem to make any sense logically. And, and when you put it that, or when I put it that way, you know, why don't I treat them that way? We tend to take for granted the people that you have in your household, thinking they're always going to be there. And the reality is why not treat them like your best clients? So through failure, Renell, to answer your question, through failure in a, a one marriage that I had and, and having to juggle two little children at that point until they've gotten older, I really work hard to, to not make that mistake again. So, Excellent. Yeah, it's just a lot of humility and openness to the mistakes that I've made to try to be better the second time around. Thank you for sharing that, Lee, because that's so important for people to know. We look at all of these people that are idolized in entrepreneurship, our entrepreneur rock stars, right? With Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, you, you name it, right? And typically their lives are littered with the failed relationships and kids that hate them and all that other stuff that comes. So, you know, I think that when we have someone I, like you that we can bring on the program, we can talk about, hey, listen, this is what I went through in my life. And this is maybe where you can learn from the example. And I learned to bring some balance in there. And I've shared this openly many times. I mean, I've been married again for 21 years. I did not get there just all roses. Trust me. <laughs> and if you're an entrepreneur and you're driven, you're going to go too far. You are. Now, what I did and what you did is at some point you recognize, oh, hold on. <laughs> I need to bring balance back to this. I need to do something to make sure that I don't lose what I'm supposedly working so hard for because that's what happens. And so my advice to entrepreneurs out there, and this, again, like Lee put, this is not just those that are traditional entrepreneurs. Like Lee, I believe in the entrepreneur mindset, all right? So if you're going hard at the job, whatever it is, whether you're in a leadership position, whether you're in an individual contributor position, 
and you're focusing so much energy on that, you got to bring some balance back. You have to treat, and I love that, Lee, you have to treat the people at home like they're your best client. I don't think I've told them that. I don't think I've sat with them and told them, hey, I'm treating you like you're my best client. Again, they listen to 20% of the things I say anyway, so I could have told them or tell them (laughs) that I told them. Let me tell you an important component of, of personally my, and I can say my level of success. This is a vital, if you're still listening to this podcast and I haven't bored you to this point, this is huge, huge, huge. It is huge. I spend probably more energy and effort on my staff and the people that surround me at my company than I do on new client acquisition and anything else. And the reason is because those people then afford me the ability to do all the other businesses that I do right now. On a daily basis, I am there as a mentor, but my management team, my leaders at the organization have known me for many, many years. And when you invest the energy, effort, and time into your staff and you cultivate them and drive them and teach them, they become mini yous. Going to keep referencing the mini me. But you don't do that by hiring someone and throwing them out into the water and say, good luck swimming, I'm not going to show you anything. So the energy, effort, and time that I spend with them professionally and most importantly, personally, create the environment for them to thrive. And you will never, ever catch me saying the word, and I'll say it for you now on air, culture. I think it's abused. I understand it. I understand culture is important. I understand, but I won't say it. I won't do it for years ago. I won't say at the end of the day. I won't say culture. The next time someone says at the end of the day, oh gosh, I'm just letting the hair down. The next time you hear somebody say at the end of the day, realize they are saying that now to fill space before they can think of something valuable to say in front of you. So when I have very good friends. At the end of the day, Lee, I don't know. (laughs) But I have very good friends. Wait, right now I'm getting too comfortable. That if they say end of the day, I'm like, well, that's number three. They're like, excuse me? I'm like, yeah, that's number three. You said it three times now. So try hard to stay away from those. Is that a moniker? Little terms? So I tend to say environment or something that has a similar, it's my own pet peeve for now. It's my own pet peeve. I want to be on a different scope of that type of thought process. But the energy effort that I spend every three to six months, I am doing a roundabout with all 44 people at my company where we do a lunch, we do a dinner, we do time together where I take five minutes to say how's everything at work because they are reporting to their managers and or their managers. And then I take the remaining 55 minutes to two hours to say, let me know what's going on at home. I want to know everything about their world and what's happening in their world. Not to be too inquisitive. They don't have to share much, but I've hired all these people. I want to know how they're doing. And when it comes to work, I let them run through their management team and their managers but I spend more energy and effort on them personally than I do on acquiring new business and new clients. And that, Rennell, is kind of the foundation before I put the second floor and the third floor in my house. So that really, you say, how do I make it look easy? Because, you know, I opened another business up less than six months ago, and we're already have four classes full, and we're already getting a tremendous national presence, and it's blowing up, and we can talk about that later because it's so intriguing why that came about. It's not about the business. Don't worry about that. You all want to come out and do it. It's fun. What is it, Lee? The company's called Executive Firearms, and I'll run into that as well. A guy from New Jersey and Philadelphia where you have the most stringent gun laws in the country and up to the age of 46, never touched a gun but two times in my life, now owns a a high-level training facility and training company. That's a whole other story. Uh, But you have to consider the time that you spend with your team and building that environment of people that are like-minded. Because, again... You don't have the fortune of running into like-minded people. I tend to find building like-minded people. And the more people that I can surround myself that I build that are like-minded, the more that I can do other things and make it, quote, look easy, like you said. Yes, I love it. 
that's the answer that I was looking for. I knew you were going there because, you know, I've done much of the same thing, right? You can't do everything, first of all. Right. You can't no, actually we know I actually can't do anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> so the people that I have working, I mean, look, I'm looking at Beth who does. I couldn't do anything at the company anymore. So it's nice. honestly true. Nice. All right. So, hey, I'm going to get into a little bit of fun. Actually, I don't know if this is fun. This is just kind of weird. I asked you a couple of questions off air and your answers are kind of I'm I don't gonna, know. I'm going to let the audience judge. Yes. OK. I asked you for your favorite hip hop artist or musician because that's fun. It allows me to kind of see a little bit. You know who you are, what you kind of this is a tale for and all the fellas trying to do oh what those ladies God. tell us get shot down because you're overzealous, play hard to get females, get jealous. First of okay, all, okay, smarty, go chose, to a party. He chose young, see, you're, you're doing the lyrics like the audience is going to recognize you realize that like 10% of the audience got that. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> that's yeah, bust like, a move. That's bust a move. I saw if there's any audience, one hit wonder from 1990. You, you got to be kidding me. Beth uh, is like, I still don't know what he's. Yes, dude. I'm telling you. Do you ever see Baby Driver? Yes. Remember I've when seen, he takes yes, when he takes off? In Atlanta, great movie. When Baby Driver takes off, he does know how. He plays a song know how. That's Young MC as well. Well, you're the only one that knows that. Gosh, yeah, but it was because a hell of a movie. Because the rest of the world only knows of one song. Gosh, okay, fair, fair. <laughs> know how's a great right. song. And your musician was. Do you remember this one? Yeah, I mean, I always feel like somebody's yeah. watching me. Yeah, I just can't. Dude, Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson, but he. I remember years ago when he sang the chorus for Somebody's Watching Me. Mm-hmm. No one knew it was Michael Jackson. He took no credit for it. This was not back in the YouTube. Who didn't know it? Only yeah, you yeah, did. but it wasn't Maybe on. It the... wasn't on the album. I'll never forget. It was Rockwell was the artist. Yes, and and Rockwell comes no, out. He's got this English accent. Hit wonder. Yeah, he's kind of. Mot- he, yeah, he's flipping. Now, burgers you know he's Barry Gordy's son. Did you know that? I did not know that. Now you know. Well, that's why he had Barry Michael Jackson Beth, sing. Let me that. go ahead and give you Barry Gordy's the founder of Motown. And so, anyway. Well, I will tell you, Rockwell, he's flipping burgers and like, hey, Rockwell. He's like, what's up, man? Hey, your song's on again. He's just that back there flipping burgers at some restaurant. Oh. Yeah, but no, no, but I mean. It's, actually, he's not. He's probably spending daddy's money No, that's right a valid now. point. I'll just let me pretend <laughs> yeah. that he's flipping burgers. Rockwell, if you want to holler at me, just exactly. listen. We, we, we're always looking for new sponsors. So please, the event's coming. I, you know, Michael Jackson we'll, we'll got great some music. Someone money. was just arguing about the issues and the things that he did personally. Are you going to chastise someone for their personal stuff and not listen to their music? I just remember how influential he was growing up. But I specifically wrote on the answer, Michael Jackson off the wall. Mm. Off the wall. So that was at before I think he got corrupted he by everything. So very specific, the off the wall album with the white diamond socks and the big afro. That was a much better album that was my favorite michael jackson that is my mother's favorite album clearly thank you for equating me to your mother when i was a kid i'm just saying when i was a kid we had a couple of albums in the house that was one of them but again it goes back to what i said about movies because there were only 17 albums made that year so you didn't have many to choose from. that's true and we listened to that for a good decade at least. I mean, look at what someone had to do back then to become an album and to become an artist. Now Billie Eilish goes on YouTube or Justin Bieber's on YouTube years ago and Who? Billie what? Precisely. I don't know. But Billie is, Eilish is, is tremendous. She just went it, to Chastain Park recently, but she started she's 16 or 15 back then and she just actually is blowing up everywhere in the community of young uh young artists. So today it's much different. Yes it is. So hey, um I know you're a busy guy all your fam with your family and all your businesses and what does a busy guy like you do for fun i just want to know like or do you have fun what do i have fun so that's a great question Ronell. and and it's important for everybody to listen to this is if you're listening and again still listening to this point 
I hope you are. Everyone's listening. This no, is that's business cool. and Whoever. bourbon. This is what they do. Well, this is this they, is where it's going down. Real talk. I got Lee Heisman on. Are you kidding your me? Your listeners Who's were there. Listening? Your listenings were there in the beginning for you. Then you wonder, are they listening for me? So well, we're hoping. you did drop the Young MC reference, which basically I dropped the lyrics of the Young of MC. The, Forget that. And they're like, what? What the hell is it? And then you're going to go listen to it. Let me, let me tell you, if you, you go, Vert if you look, bust a move that. and you play it in your car, do not tell me you're not dancing. That's all I'm going to say. So we'll start there. However, do I have fun? I will tell you right now. And this, God, it sounds hokey. Everything I do is fun. If it's not, the question you could ask is, Lee, what do you do that you don't have fun? Because if I wasn't having fun at all of my businesses, the people that are surrounding me, I wouldn't be doing it. So really the hard question I don't even know if I can answer today was what do you do that you don't have fun with? I mean, yesterday I went to the dentist for a cleaning so that, no, I'm being serious. Like that's the only you thing that that was fun. I didn't, I was like, <laughs> I didn't only because I had things to do and I'm sitting there like, can you guys get started and get me in and out of here? I've got other things that I have to do. So even in traffic, I have fun because I can throw young MC on that's I'm telling you, if you do not find fun, it is all about perspective. We talked about this before. I'm going to throw this little nugget out there. I think we mentioned it before. I remember when I got divorced. I'll get a little dirty here with everybody. I got divorced. Uh, I had my two children that were four and six at the time. I was completely responsible for them. I came downstairs into the kitchen. They were sleeping upstairs. And my parents, they had moved down from Philadelphia to help me with the kids. And they said, Lee, why are you so happy? You just got divorced, which I never thought I'd get divorced. My parents are still together. It was foreign to me. And I would have never gotten divorced in a million years I would have stayed in that marriage. And I always joke and say the best decision of my life that I never made was my first divorce. Mm-hmm. So that was the best decision of my life that I never made. Uh, my ex-wife had wanted to divorce me. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there, aren't I? However, my parents came down into the kitchen and they said to me, Lee, why are you so happy? Look at everything that just happened like a couple weeks after the divorce. And I said, look, guys, I could pick up those glasses in the left-hand side, put them on my face and say, oh, my kids don't have a mom around. I'm divorced. My businesses were not thriving. I was trying to grow businesses right now. We didn't really have any money. I didn't know how long I was going to be able to make the mortgage payment. Didn't know if I could make the car payment. I said, I could list these 10 things that are all facts. They're all true. Or I can pick up these glasses, which are the ones I usually wear. And I said, I'm looking at my two parents who are healthy and here with me, enjoying the journey. I'm looking at two children upstairs that are healthy upstairs and they're sleeping and I get to see them every single day. I'm still in the house that the kids are growing up in. I have a car that's running today and I have a business that I'm trying to grow. I have my health right now. I'm walking around with my own two feet and I'm going to go do a workout right now. So I tend to put those glasses on for perspective. So I could give you 10 facts that are bad and I can give you 10 facts that are good. Why in the heck would I put on those ugly glasses to look at the bad stuff? I'm going to put the good glasses on. So to answer your question, you know, that's kind of where my mentality comes from and in everything I do. So why the hell would I put on bad glasses and do something that I'm not having fun if I have any choice of the matter? And even in a situation that I have to do something that may not be, I might not be getting a massage or fanning with grapes given to me, why can't I make that fun? Why can't I take a situation and make it fun? I saw a gentleman early this morning. He's actually doing a bodybuilding competition. We were going over blood work. I tend to keep my health levels and make sure my level, that's a whole other level of, of health. And I check my IGF level, my testosterone level. I always look for my, all the levels of my blood because I may feel good, but I want to see what's under the hood. So I take it to the next level and I do every six months blood work. Now that's a whole other topic. But I saw the guy who's at 2% body fat. He is a week away from competition. And if you know anything about bodybuilding, those people are broke down. I mean, even though they look ripped on stage, they are broken down. And it's, it's almost very, very unhealthy 
when they no, get near almost. that stage. It is. It is extremely unhealthy. So I saw Tim this morning, and I give a shout out to Tim. And when we sat down, I could tell he was having a bad day. He was finishing up a conversation with somebody. And this is my day, man. This is the coolest part of my day. And I think everybody out there should do this if you can. And I could see him talking to someone before we sat down. And he said, yeah, I'm just having a rough day right now. I don't feel great. And we sat down. And as we dialogued about lipids and cholesterol and all these components that I was educating him on regarding how the LDLs and the HDLs aren't really accurate. And it's, it's a whole nother story. And by the end of our 30 minute meeting, he was so vibrant, so overjoyed. And I said, Tim, you notice your disposition right now from 30 minutes ago is exponentially different than it was when we started. I said, that's the energy, baby. That's the love. That's how much energy I have. And I can pour it out on you to make you have a better day today. And he goes, man, I can feel the exact same thing. So, Rennell, do I want to have this 30-minute meeting with Tim to go over blood work and go over some boring stuff that I needed to review with him? Absolutely not. But did I take his energy level and bring him up? Absolutely. So my job on a daily basis, what makes me feel better, is to bring everybody up to the level of happiness and energy that I am because then it surrounds me with that as well. Does that sound hokey enough? It's true, man. You've been around me. That's what's up, man. You made me want to bust a move over here. Oh, no how. <laughs> Listen, you know... With that said, Lee, I want to thank you for being on the pod. That's how we want to end this today. Yeah, I just dropped it. Man, Mike is dropped. Like, don't drop my mic, though. By the way, that's really bad sound. Don't do that shit. Um, but we are. <laughs> the, the mic has been dropped. That was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. We do one thing when we end all of our podcasts. Oh, you've listened to every single episode, so you already know, right? Not the ending, maybe. Maybe not the ending. <laughs> We out. That's how we end every podcast. We out. And if you want to drop a lyric while you're doing it, oh, like I've already do done it, that enough or today. Do it like the Philly guys do it. I don't know how do you, how would you do it if you how do you? Oh say God, we I can't. Well, we can't use them. curse words on air, so we wouldn't do it how the Phillies guys do I it. I think I've already cursed plenty of times. So <laughs> like, I let you do it. or Do yeah, I do so, it? Hey, you drop wisdom. You drop knowledge. You get the privilege of ending us. All right, all right. So I just I, I end it any way I want just to. That, well, any way you want to with ending it with we out. Yes. All right, Rennell, what an absolute treat coming and seeing you today. I needed your energy. I think you are right on par with me, honestly, in terms of how I feel when I see you, the energy that you bring. That is why I feel like we're kindred. I cannot wait for you to come up to my gym on July 30th. Oh, it's happening. I'm going to have some video of that. I'm going to kick his ass. I know he is. I'm just kidding. I, no, no, no. We're going gonna to now take that clip right there. <laughs> And we're going to put it next to the clip when he's done at the workout with me. And I will tell you, Renell, an absolute treat. Beth, amazing that you stayed down here with me. Guys, this is a blast. We out. Thank you for listening to the Business and Bourbon Podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we do a whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.